welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. I'm excited to be sharing with you from the book of John today. So open up your Bibles to the book of John. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We're going to have the words on the screen behind me. Um, Or you can download a Bible app. You heard Danny earlier encourage you and me. Uh, I'm excited to start this new 21-day Bible reading plan tomorrow. So uh, a really easy way to do that is to download the Bible app off of your app store, and you can even get notifications every morning to remind you, hey, don't forget to do your reading today. Uh, It's going to be a great way for us to link our hearts together around God's Word. And the reason we do that is because here at Queen's Church, we believe that God's Word is living and active. And we're going to talk a lot about that idea of being alive this morning. So I want to encourage you to get in God's Word. As we start today, though, I want to um, tell you about a vision that I had for Queen's Church in 2020. As Danny and I were heading um, to Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, to pray and seek God about what he wants us to preach about for this entire year. As I was preparing for that, I asked God to give me a vision for what Queen's Church should be in 2020. And, you know, he kept bringing to me the image of a desert. Now, I know that doesn't sound very encouraging for a church to be like a desert, but the vision didn't stop there. Um, I was thinking about the way that I walk the streets of Woodside and Astoria and um, the area of Western Queens and the, the people that I encounter. What are the people that I encounter feeling? And that sometimes can seem like a desert, right? People walking around uh, with loneliness, um, people walking around in need of uh, sh- uh, freedom from financial pressure that they have. You see our senior citizens and sometimes you see their faces because you can tell that they're downtrodden because they're, they're physically hurting. Maybe they're sick. Maybe their family has left, and, and they're all alone. Yeah, sometimes I encounter single moms that look like they're just completely overwhelmed with life, and uh, they don't even know if they can go on for one more minute. There's damaged relationships you can see as you walk the streets of our neighborhood. And so this image of desert isn't too far off, right? There's people wandering around hopeless and lost, wondering what is next. Where will I find my next drink of water? And um, this concrete jungle, you know, that we call home can sometimes more be more like a desert of hopelessness. And the reason that you and I have been called by God to be a part of a new church being started in our neighborhood is because God wants a river of life flowing through this desert of hopelessness. And the good news for you and me today is that if you're thinking, how can I be a river of life or how can I be part of the life-giving church if I don't feel like I have anything living flowing through me? The good news for you today, if that's you, is that from God's word in a moment, we're going to see how you can have life flowing through you. Maybe I mentioned all those different people and you were thinking, I don't know how I'm going to be a river of life because I am one of those people or two of those people or maybe three of those people all crammed into one. The good news 
will be from God's word for you today. So, sure, sometimes I know that the glitz and glamour and the, um, the shine of um, where we live can, can cloud the desert and maybe you struggle to see, like, no, we have it pretty good. I want us to see today from God's word that um, this desert can be given hope. So the vision didn't end in the desert. I told you that, right? What I believe God is calling Queen's Church to in 2020 is to be a river of life for our neighborhood. So with that in mind, I want to read for you, or you read with me, John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. The Bible says this, on the last day of the feast, we'll talk about that feast in just a moment, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So here's what's happening. Jesus is speaking at the Feast of Booths. Have any of you ever been, this is still happening in um, Jewish culture today, have any of you ever ventured over to Williamsburg on accident maybe during the Feast of Booths and you know exactly what I'm talking about? It's happened to me one time. Outside of thousands of homes in Brooklyn, you will see little wooden structures built out of two-by-fours. You ever seen that outside of someone's house? You were there during the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths was a feast that God mandated in the book of Numbers, chapter 28, if you want to go read about it later. He mandated it for the uh, Jewish people to follow this feast in order to remind them of the time when they lived in a house that they had to pack up constantly and move around. Remember what time that was? When they were in the desert. When the people were wandering in the wilderness, they lived in basically tents, makeshift homes. And they had to be able to pack up and leave because they were wandering. And God said, I want you every year for one full week to live in one of those houses again to remind you of how good I was to you during that time, that I brought you out of it. Isn't that great? You know, isn't it cool to see that some of our traditions have such a deep and lasting meaning to them? I mean, we could even say of ourselves, like, I might want to actually live in a little shack every once in a while so that I don't take for granted the things that God has given to me, right? That's the purpose of it. So Jesus is here at the Feast of Booths, and he stands up on the very last day. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been to a feast before or not. Anyone ever been to a feast? I mean, come on. We just had Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's. Some of you have been to a feast. Now, at the end of a feast, a seven-day feast on the eighth day, what are you feeling? If you've ever been on a cruise you know this feeling. What are you feeling on the end of a seven-day feast? Go ahead, just say it out loud. Full. <laughs> That's right. You're full. And Jesus stands up to a bunch of people who are full. Now, this feast, 
they eat all different types of food. They actually eat it inside the booth. That's why they have it set up in Brooklyn. You're like, they don't sleep in those, do they? Because it's really cold if it happens during a cold month. No, they don't, but they do eat in them, at least if they're following the word of God explicitly. They eat inside there. So when they go in there, they eat all of the best foods. They drink the best wines. They are full. And Jesus stands up and he says to them, all, sorry, if anyone thirsts, is Jesus a fool? Wouldn't you say, that's a good answer. No, someone said no. <laughs> that's a good answer. But, but why does he say this? If you went on a cruise and you came home the very first day you get off the cruise ship and I stand in front of you and say, hey, if any of you are hungry, you would call me a fool, right? Because I know you just finished seven days and nights of stuffing yourself full of a 24-hour buffet or 24-hour pizza at least. It's foolish to ask a bunch of people who just completed a feast if they're hungry or what Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty. But we know, like Johnny echoed, Jesus is not a fool. So we have to ask ourselves, why does Jesus stand in front of people who are full and say, if anyone thirsts? Maybe Jesus is talking about a different type of thirst than they have experienced. Now, obviously, looking back through the lens of the New Testament, we can see how the Feast of Booths should nourish your soul and your body. But Jesus was seeing something that day. He was seeing people who had thirsty souls and full bodies. I want you to ask yourself this morning, is my soul thirsty? Maybe you're full. Maybe you had a bagel. Maybe you've had some delicious kinship coffee. And yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're full and you're not thirsty in your body. But we have to ask ourselves, is there anyone out here who's thirsty? Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. You know what being thirsty is like, right? You've been there. I don't even have to do a fancy illustration. You know when your mouth is so dry that you just need water. Someone could offer you a Coke and you say, I don't want that. They say, do you want some coffee? I don't want that. What do you want? Water. Because you know that it will quench your thirst, regardless of what the creators of Gatorade say. You know that you want water because it's going to quench your thirst. Jesus says, if anyone's soul thirsts, come to me and let him drink. We just celebrated communion a moment ago. What are we to drink of when we come to Jesus? We are drinking of the new covenant, the new promise of God in him. So when your body is thirsty, you drink water to satisfy it. When your soul is thirsty, Jesus says, come to me and I will satisfy you. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says this, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This famous poem, which you may have heard from the Psalms, is illustrating to us what it is like when a soul is thirsty. It's like a deer who has gone on a long run and is panting for a stream of water. 
You see, I want us to see this morning a few things. The first thing is this. It's that thirsting for Jesus means that the world isn't satisfying. You know you're thirsting for Jesus, whether you would say it or not, when you have not been satisfied by what the world is giving you. The things we spoke about a moment ago, all of those lonelinesses, the hopelessness, the financial pressure, the relationship brokenness, all of those things that never provide lasting satisfaction if you get them, right? You might get a job that pays more money and relieves your financial strain. You might go into a healthy relationship. Uh, Your children might start obeying. We'll just skip that one. What Jesus is, (laughs) the people with kids laughed. What Jesus is offering here is something different than those physical things that never satisfy. He's offering something that satisfies for eternity. But he's telling us something in his offer. He's telling us that he's not going to waterboard us. You guys remember that controversial torture technique that the United States employed to fight terrorists? waterboarding, where they would place them parallel or a little bit upside down, cover their mouth with a cloth, and pour water, force water into their mouth because it gives you the impression that you're drowning, but you will really not drown if it's done properly. Can you imagine? Jesus says, I'm not a waterboarding savior. I'm not going to capture you, tie you down, and force or shove the living water down your mouth. He says, rather, come to me and drink. Oh, what a beautiful picture, right? Like that table we talked about during communion set in the presence of our enemies where Jesus says, come and dine with me. But God, there's a battle going on. Are you kidding? With this war raging, how could I sit and rest and eat? I have things to do. I have to fight this battle. And Jesus says, like the song we sang, this is how you fight your battles. Sit and drink. Come to me and drink. Thirsting for Jesus means that you've tried sitting at other tables and drinking and it didn't satisfy. And coming to drink, the second thing is coming to drink, means that you believe it's your statement of belief in Jesus. Coming to drink means you believe that Jesus is what you need. You know, there's a difference between not being satisfied, or there there should be clarification, between just not being satisfied with what the world has and choosing to come drink from what Jesus is offering. The choice to come and drink is a choice to step away from believing that the things of the world will ever satisfy your needs. And it's coming to Jesus saying, I believe you are what will satisfy me, God. Coming to drink means you believe that Jesus is what you need. Is Jesus what you need today? Are there areas of sin in your life? If you're wondering, how do I identify that? This is a good test. Are there things you're going to to find satisfaction for your soul? It looks like this. Uh, It might be food or drink, or it might be an abusive relationship. Or it might be shopping. It might be checking the news. It might be looking on social media trying to find someone who has a worse life than you. Right? Let's be real. 
Isn't that oftentimes why we're there? Sure, we love to celebrate the things of others, but when we see someone who is struggling worse than us, it helps us feel a little bit better about how we're doing. You see, if any of those things kind of twinged your heart, that's the Holy Spirit saying, that's something you're, you're trying to get satisfaction out of. And what Jesus is claiming here is, you come to me when you thirst for your soul. You go to the cup when you thirst for your body. You come to me when your soul is thirsty. Um, when you have been at the end of your rope, or like some people say, rock bottom, right? And you've realized there's nothing else that you can do and you turn to God, I encourage you to say in that moment, I believe, Jesus, you have what I need. It's this, it is the, the very definition of the biblical um, concept of repentance. It's you turning. You're, you're saying, I've drank at the well that the world has to offer. Whatever it is, I've drank long enough and I have found no lasting satisfaction. So I am going to turn to you, Jesus. I'm going to come to your table. I'm going to sit and I'm going to drink because I believe that you have what I need. Coming to drink means you believe that Jesus is what you need. The Holy Spirit, listen, that's the first verse there. The second verse is where it gets powerful for your soul. You come and drink and then the Holy Spirit flows through those who drink of the living water. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 38. Whoever believes in me, remember, uh, coming, to, coming to drink means you believe, right? And then Jesus says, whoever believes in me, those who have come to drink, as the scripture has said, out of his or her heart flows rivers of living water. Follow the grammar. Jesus says, to the one who believes in me, that person who is drinking from me, from their heart is flowing rivers of living water. So he gives us the test. When you hear, when, when you go home this evening and you're laying in bed, and you're, I hope you'll reflect back on worship and reflect back on this part right here if you don't have time to do it now. Think about this. Do I have streams, rivers of living water flowing out of me? Well, pastor, how do I know if I have a river of water streaming after me? Do you know what a river of water that is living looks like? Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who is planted by the stream of living water. Why? Because in the due season, right, in the correct season, that plant does what? Anyone know? Grows and bears fruit. You have a, a river of living water flowing from you if you can look to the people who would be downstream and find fruit and find growth. Yeah, but all the people I'm tied to all the people, my kids, my relationships, my coworkers, all of them are just depressed and lonely and angry all the time, and it feeds into my depression. I would ask you, Jesus would ask you, come and drink of Jesus. That's what 2020 is going to be about at Queen's Church. 
We're not waiting for the river to come upstream of us and flow down. Well, no one's loving me like I need to be loved. No one's serving me like I need to be loved. Jesus is saying to Queen's Church here, you come to me to drink. And then out of you will flow rivers of living water. The people downstream are supposed to be experiencing life and growth and curiosity as to what that effervescent joy is that you have because they are looking at you. They're not going to find it in their job. They're not going to find it in any of those other things we talked about before. The one who believes, that's where others find the river of living water. What purpose would Jesus have in leaving people who follow him on earth if it were not for the benefit of those who do not believe? I'll say that again. Why on earth would God leave you here when he saves you if it's not for the good of others? Again, we might say to Jesus in that moment, that's foolish. Why leave us here to suffer if you don't have a purpose for us? God has a purpose for you. His purpose is clear right here. He says, the one who believes in me, here's your purpose. You are to be a spring from which flows rivers of living water. Why multiple rivers? Because you've got a lot of people in your life who need water. It's not just one river, it's rivers. The Holy Spirit is this river. He explains that later on. You can read it on your own time later. But the Holy Spirit is the one who flows through those who drink. Jesus has a way. If I drink this water, nothing flows out of me. Rivers don't flow out of me. Jesus has a way of turning the cup that you drink from, which is him, into rivers abounding with life, flowing out of you, and his way is his Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit flows out of you as a river for those in need. And the last thing is this. Until the water has been carried to your heart, you have nothing to share with others. This is the one, if you follow us on social media, this is, this is like the, the crux of where we're going this year. This quote was up on Instagram the other day. And you're going to see it again and again. It's this. Unless you carry the water to your own heart, you have nothing to share with others. In other words, you cannot have a river of life flowing out of you unless you have drank from the cup of Christ. If you try to manufacture one, it will be clothed in all types of shady, secret sin. They're kind of like this. Like you say, um, I'm a good person. Anyone be so bold as to raise their hand and say that? Before? They've said that before? I'm a good person? Yep, a few people have said it. The rest of them are lying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, some people, some people don't say it. I've heard some people say, I would never say I'm a good person. But listen, if we try to be good people, what flows from us is actually a lot of rivers with strings attached. And I don't know if you've ever seen a river, but you can't control a river with a string, which means what flowing out, what's flowing out of you is not a river at all. It's a counterfeit. You see, when you try to be good on your own 
and show love to your wife by waking up early and doing something special or kind for her, but you're doing it out of your own good, then that kind act has a string attached to it. You don't believe it? Just wait until a day or a few days or, um, or even a few minutes passes, and you don't get a what? Thank you. What are you going to find in your heart? <sighs> she didn't even notice. She doesn't even love me. That's a string, not a river. If you're getting tripped up by the things that you're trying to do for the good of others in your life, that's because you're attaching strings to counterfeits and throwing them out. It's not a river flowing from you. You can't control a river after it comes out of your heart. It flows to those people, and they are enriched by it and given life by it, and you have so much water to give to others that it's not that you don't care about it, but it's that you're not concerned about it because it's gone, it's blessed those other people, and there's more water flowing out of you to somebody else today, and it's going and giving them life now. There's no strings attached to rivers. And when we are trying to be good to others out of our own strength, we always get tripped up by the strings we're laying around us because eventually you'll be like a dog who has uh, spun himself around in his own leash. You ever seen that? Right? Because, you know, since you can't control, um, since you're trying to control all these good things, you throw them out, you forget you threw one to that person, and then you go over here and you forget to throw one to that person, and then you're over here in the corner and you're throwing them to your kids, and they're running around in circles, twisting up the stuff on your own. And before you know it, you come back and you run into someone who you did something kind for a while back, and you remember because you never forget, right? You never forget when you were left out to dry, when someone stood you up or whatever. So you rem- but now you're so twisted up in all these strings you've attached that it takes you down. You burst out in anger or you lash out against them. Or even worse, you just harbor that resentment inside and you fake it to them and everyone else. And it destroys you from the inside out. Church, Until the water has been carried to your own heart, you have nothing to give to others except strings attached to counterfeits. But the joy is when the water is carried to your heart. And how does that happen? Remember verse 37. Jesus said to all those who are thirsty, come and drink. Listen to how it says it here. Revelation. He's going to Revelation on January 5th. Okay. It's going to be one of those kind of years. Not just Revelation. In fact, Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of Revelation. Listen to what happens. This is John's great apocalyptical vision of when the church, which is the bride, and Christ, who is the groom, come together and finally consummate this new creation. And everything is glorious. And listen to what is said in verse 17. The Spirit, remember, that's the one who gives us that flowing water. The Spirit and the bride, who is the church, They come together in song, and this is what they say. Come. And let the one who hears, that's everyone within vocal range, say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take Let the one who desires take the water of life. Read that last two words with me out loud. Without Christ. One more time. Without Christ. You say, 
This whole sermon, this sounds too good to be true. It can't be true. Someone had to pay for this. This has to cost something. People just can't manufacture joy and just send it out to others, right? We know that. We expose that. That's the counterfeits. But how does this thing happen? How is it really this good? It's because Jesus paid the price. And listen, if we go to lunch later and and we finish the the meal and the server comes with the the little uh, wallet, and you take out your wallet before I do, and you say, I'm going to pay for this. I'm sh- this is like, you know, you've heard you speak these things into existence. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But you say, I got this. This one's on me. You pay the price for that meal, and then you get up and leave, and I go to the server and say, I would like to pay for my meal. The server will say, what? The meal has already been paid for. You ate today without price. It wasn't free, right? No, it was paid for. Jesus offers us to come and drink, and it's not free water. It's holy water that was paid for by the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's his, listen to this, it's his to choose what to do with. In other words, you And I do not get to decide who gets the water and who doesn't get the water. In this country, the government decides who gets benefits and who doesn't, right? At your job, your boss decides which benefits you get and which benefits you don't. You get decisions made for you about what you receive all over the place. But when it comes to the living water of Jesus Christ, church, Queen's Church, we need to hear, going into 2020, it is not our responsibility to choose who this water goes to. It is offered to who? All those who hear, the one who is thirsty, the one who desires. We are called to be uh, springs with rivers of water flowing out of us, and we cannot try to manufacture where those rivers go. God gets that. And he says, I offer it always without price. The spirit and the bride come, and they say, drink. Church, carry the water, going forward. But don't think that carry the water means I'm supposed to take something, whether I have it or not, and give it to others. It means I'm supposed to come to the feet of Jesus and drink. Drink of the water that is without price. If you're charging yourself for the water, did you know, this is a totally different sermon, maybe we'll preach it at some point, but did you know that we as followers of Jesus are often really good at charging ourselves for the water that Jesus offers freely? We charge ourselves for that water with guilt and self-condemnation. We'll talk about that another time. But until you have tasted and seen, you have nothing to share and to show. Here's what I want us to do next. This is the interactive part of the sermon. For those people who miss church today and you're listening to this online, you don't get to participate. That's the joys of coming to church. Everyone here is laughing. 
Not at you, though. You can do this at home. You have a board here. It's blank. And I have a bunch of white post-it notes. And I want to know, especially for next week's sermon, where we're going to talk about carrying the water. Today was to our hearts, and next week is to our neighbors. I want to know, in what ways in 2019 has God carried the water to your heart? How has God given me living water? Here's another question you may answer on these post-it notes. How have I received living water from the people of Queen's Church? Look to your left and to your right. Go ahead, right now. How have you received living water from them? Write it down. I was welcomed by Miss Pat's smile every week in the freezing cold. Put it on the post-it. You know why? For a few reasons. Number one, because you and I need to be thankful for the ways that our church is being the source of water that we need. And number two, what we're going to do next week is look to the ways that this, that gets put on this board, spreads to others in our neighborhood. Because we are not starting a church in Woodside to just keep it to ourselves. This is not the best news no one ever heard, so let's huddle up and keep it quiet. We are going to be water carriers to our neighbors. So let's look at one another. It doesn't have to literally be in this room, the person who you may have been blessed by or the event that the church put on. That's why I said later on you can look at this. Take out your year in review. If you're having a difficulty looking at something or thinking of something, and you can look and, and you can see that nine people followed Jesus in baptism in 2019. Praise God. And you can say, I'm praising God for nine people who are experiencing the living water now and they weren't in 2018. So you can use this as a reference. We're going to take a few minutes, up to five minutes. I want you to come up. Use the pen. There was a pen in your chair. If not, grab one. I got one up here for you. And write it down and take off the post-it and just stick it somewhere on the board. Don't worry about organizing it or anything. Just put it on the board. How has the water been carried to your heart by God and by others? Uh, the band is going to play. I invite you to come, even right now. Until you have tasted and seen, you have nothing to share and to show. So what have you tasted and seen in 2019 that God's going to challenge you to share and to show in 2020. Come on up.